0: Hi, this is Neha and you're listening to the Bold Enough podcast. Join me in this authentic journey engaging in uncomfortable but real conversation with wonderful guests. If you want to listen to real people who are winning in their own way and not as society told them to, then this podcast is for you. The Bold Enough podcast is produced by Nova Digital, hosted by Neha Garu. Hi everyone. Welcome to this new episode of the Bold Enough podcast and I'm excited to have Vicky today with us. Hi Vicky, how are you? Hi, I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you on this episode today. Before we start our conversation, can you tell us uh, a bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, 100%. So I am a
1: mindset coach from Montreal, Canada. I currently work for other companies, so I'm like a freelancer coach. I don't I'm not a business owner, so I don't have my own coaching clients. I coach the mindset within multidisciplinary teams. Um, For example, a language school, the fitness academy, a business accelerator. So I act as the mindset specialist in those uh, entities. And it's a a lot of fun. I come from a background of sports coaching. So I've been coaching artistic swimming for the past 13 years. I coach teams all the way to international competitions. And now I transfer this knowledge that I gathered uh, into more of a business context. I currently live with the love of my life. And in 30 days, we're starting our nomad life. And we're going to start sailing around the world.
0: Wow, that is so exciting, the nomad life. (laughs) Yay to both of you. Thank you. Okay, so today on this episode, we're going to talk about a sensitive topic It is sensitive from uh, where I come from in Mauritius. So, the pornographic addiction. And uh, you've been, you have a, a story about this that you'd like to share with us about your ex boyfriend, if I'm correct. So, let's take a step back and tell us how and when did you found out about this addiction of his?
1: Yes, yes. So before meeting the love of my life I'm currently with, I was in another long-term relationship, as you mentioned, and this ex-partner had an addiction to pornography. Of course, the first time that you discover that your, your partner consumes pornography, you don't know that it's an addiction yet, right? You don't know if it's just a habit or a one-time thing or or something like that but it, the way it happened I actually found things on his phone like I was on his phone for whatever reason I wasn't looking for any evidence but I found like screenshots of photos of girls in bikinis or screenshots of videos and I asked him about it and then he told me that he was consuming and immediately immediately as soon as I found some, I didn't feel comfortable about it I know a lot of couples are okay with it but for me uh, especially the fact that it was hidden, that he was doing it on his own, just kind of made it, it made it very difficult to, to see those images and those screenshots. And um, then it started a habit for me that was very negative, which was looking through his stuff, right? From that moment on, like I had doubts. So I would look through his phone, look through his iPad or computer to constantly be looking for more because it, it started something inside of me that wasn't healthy either.
0: Mm-hmm. I can understand that. And what happened that uh, made you leave the relationship? Like, I understand that it was becoming very unhealthy for you. Like you said, there there are couples who are okay with that. But for you, it wasn't because it was negative and affecting your mental health as well. So... What are the steps that you took to get out on the, of this relationship? Did you try to talk to him about this behavior and everything? And I guess, yes, and it didn't work. So you had to leave. And I suppose that leaving also was a difficult step for you.
1: Yes. So before leaving, actually, from the moment that I first discovered porn and his things to the moment that I left, there was two years So a lot of things happened during those two years. Like I said, at first, I didn't think it was an addiction. But when I confronted him about it and say, hey, I don't feel comfortable of you looking at all these other pictures of skinnier, prettier women all the time. And he kind of admitted to me that that's something that he did every single day and that he didn't feel comfortable stopping. Because I think, yeah, to, to be an addiction, it needs to be something that you can't let go of without any help right? And behavioral um, addictions are now accepted in the DSM. So it's really a mental health problem, you could say, I guess, like, it's not, it's not just, oh, I like ice cream a little bit too much. It's like, I'm obsessing over ice cream. And if I don't have my ice cream every single day, I'm going to be moody, I'm going to have other symptoms, right? At first, he wanted to try to quit porn for me, pornography, sorry. So we try to reach out to some help we found this amazing organization called fight the new drug uh, that really helped me because there's support groups for addicts but also support groups for spouses of addicts because it has an incredible impact on us to be in a relationship where we don't feel seen and we never feel like we're performing enough sexually i know for me like this also turned into a little bit of verbal violence where my my partner would tell me things like you don't taste good Or you smell or you're not pretty enough or you're too fat. And that's why I'm not attracted to you sexually. And of course, I'm also guilty for staying there, right? His behavior was not acceptable, but I stayed there. So I'm just as guilty. I just had hope that once he quit this habit, he would see me again and love my body again. But even I think our, our record was three months without porn. And even after those three months, he still didn't desire me. So I think the problem was bigger than just that addiction. But yeah, Fight the New Drug is an incredible organization. It's a non-religious, non-legislative, is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> uh, organization. And they really do amazing work. They do uh, conferences in schools and workshops. They created a documentary that where they talk about the impacts of porn on our brain. They show brain scans and you see the impact on the gray matter in your brain. What happens when you're watching porn and when you're making a habit of it, of watching it every day. So it's absolutely fascinating to see the impact of that on our society in general and on sexual violence and on uh, even even human trafficking. That's also something that Fight the New Drug is fighting. I remember we bought we, when we started this fight, my ex and I, we bought those t-shirts that said porn kills love and then we would wear it in the subway or anywhere so people would come and ask us questions and you know we would talk we would talk about this. And in the past couple years, we're at 12 Yeah, 12 states right now in the US who said, who declared that pornography is a public health crisis. So this is huge. It's not normal that the, the age group with the highest rate of erectile dysfunction is now 25 to 35 because the Americans and North Americans are watching pornography so much that they don't get aroused by a regular partner anymore. So this is a much bigger problem than we think. And then at the end of those two years, we went to see a a psychologist, but specialized in uh, sexual dysfunction or sexual disorders. And I think that's this person who helped us realize that us together was not going to fix the problem for anyone, right? He would not be able to kick out this, this um, addiction with me, who was always taking it personally when he was watching some of, you know, carrying this as my own failure when really it was his addiction. And uh, it wasn't good for anyone to stay in that relationship. So in the end, he he let me go. But that was the most beautiful gift ever. I'm so grateful that uh, he let me go after those two years of fighting against this.
0: I think you're so brave. I know you said that you feel guilty for staying even when the behavior wasn't right. I don't think uh, you need to feel guilt, but I think you're very brave to actually take the step to get out of it because I think there are so many people who, first, they don't realize that this is an addiction. They think that it is normal. And secondly, even if you have a partner who is you know, watching pornography and everything. Again, there there's the woman who doesn't really feel that it's an addiction, you know. They hope for a change and then they stay. And the change never happens. And like you said, it becomes unhealthy for your own mental health. It it You feel less confident in your own body. And like you said, when you perform, it, it messes with your head. Yeah, so I'm glad that uh, you were able to take the step, even after all those fighting. Now, look at you, you're going on a... Nomad life. (laughs) So about the addiction, what do you think are the first symptoms or if I may say it like that or signs that we can recognize in our partner? And it could be not our partner. It could be a friend. It could be a close relative because sometimes we say that, you know, it's normal to watch. It's okay; It's fine. But when can we, uh, you know, say that, okay, it's becoming an addiction? Based on your experience. Yes, I think there's gonna be other symptoms, and that's even what you can find on,
1: on the fight the new drug website. The person is gonna be moody and they're gonna hide things, they're gonna hide secrets from you. Definitely like a lack of human connection, not just with me. I think this person had a hard time building relationship with even new friends. I think personally, that's a personal opinion, and almost the human interactions, connections intimacy. So yeah, I think those could be some of the symptoms when you see a lack of relationship, a lack of connection. I think people that have an addiction, no matter what it is, whether it's gambling or drugs or alcohol, I think these people are trying to fill a a void. They're trying to fill a a hole inside of them that makes them feel like they don't belong. So any symptoms related to people who, who don't act as if they, they feel like they have their place on earth, I think those could be symptoms. I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> no, I fear you. It's like they isolate themselves also from the world, you know? Exactly. They're in their own uh, bubble and they can't connect with other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is true. Exactly. And like you said, you fought for like two years, you know, to save the relationship and everything. Mm-hmm. If there is someone else who, in, who is in the same situation at the moment... What advice would you give them? Would you tell them to try to fight it, to at least try, like, or let it go? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a difficult uh, choice because you have a partner that you love so much and uh, wants to help in a way because I feel like as women, we are more connected and emotional on that basis. And uh, well, it's the way uh, we've been brought on. But, you know, men behave in a different way. Whenever there's something going on, I'm not saying every everyone, uh, most men, of course. Whenever there's something going on in their head or uh, inside of them, they're just isolated and don't even communicate. And it's difficult to find the root cause or what what is causing yeah. their irregular be- behaviors. So, what advice would you give to someone who is in the same situation at the moment and you know it's difficult to stay or to live? Mm-hmm.
1: To, it's it's difficult in both scenarios, right? It's difficult to stay and to leave. The first thing I would say, get help. Definitely get help from an organization, get help from a mental health specialist, from someone you can trust and someone that's neutral. Because I know for me, I asked for help a lot in the beginning, but none of my friends believed it. Or understood when I was like, "Oh, my partner has an addiction to porn." They were like, "Oh yeah, my boyfriend watches porn too sometimes." And I was like, "No, this is different for me. It's every single day." And when I'm dancing naked in my shower, he looks at me like I'm the toilet. So I was like, "It's not. It's not the same as a partner who watches once a week." You know. And uh, So first thing is get help. The second thing is be very honest with yourself. Be very honest with yourself about who you are and what kind of relationship you want because if i had been honest with myself i would have left i would have left much sooner i think i think i stayed there because you know you see so many people that are breaking up and having divorce and you just think like oh i'm going to i'm going to fight and i'm going to stay there i'm going to I'm going to fix, you know, we're such in a society of like capitalism where whenever something's broken, we just throw it out and buy a new one. And I was like, I don't want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people who fixes things. But the truth is that in order to fix this relationship, I first needed to fix myself. And when I finally broke up with this partner, sold the house and everything. And my mom, I had had wine with my mom and she said, "Uh, you know, Vicky, my boyfriend, he's not the most handsome And I was like, where is she going with this? She's been with this guy for 10 years. She's incredibly happy. She says, he's not the most handsome. He's not the richest. Uh, You know, he doesn't have a a doctorate. Um, He's not the funniest. He's a little grumpy sometimes. But she says, the version of myself with him is my favorite. And I think it came down to that. I think, yes, my relationship wasn't healthy, but most importantly, I hated myself. I hated who I was. I was overweight. I was sad. I was miserable. I was in a victim mindset. I wasn't desired. I had no sexuality whatsoever. I was constantly looking through my boyfriend's things, looking through his phone, through his computer. I hated myself. And that's so much bigger than whether I still loved him or not. Like that's irrelevant when I think about it today. I'm like, how did I do this to myself for two years? And it took so much forgiveness and so much time to heal that and to be able to welcome right now, my new partner, where it's not about him. You know, I, 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 my partner's absolutely amazing, but it's about who I am with this partner. Who am I with my current partner? Who am I with the friends that I currently choose in my life? Uh, and I'm so grateful for that past relationship because that's what it taught me. It taught me to, to prioritize myself in all the decisions that I'm making. It's not about, do I love this job or do I hate this job? It's about, it's about, do I love myself when I'm doing that job? And so that's the advice I would give to someone who just discovered it. Take some time, get some help. And then be very honest with yourself about who you are, who you want to be. And do you love yourself staying in this relationship? Not do you love the other person?
0: I love what you said. And I think I can relate with the thing that you said that uh, fixing things. I can relate uh, in this part. I have been in relationship for two years as well, where I knew the behaviors were not right. You know, things are not right. But I didn't want it to give up. You know, I've never given up in my life in other aspects of my life you know i've always like push further and you know get things done and uh, achieve things in the other fix things with my family and uh, even in my career and everything and it worked perfectly and here i was like no i won't give up you know you try to fix it you try to bring changes and everything and i think it relates also to i don't know we hear a lot of stuff that when you love someone you shouldn't give up and uh, i've been hearing that like for my whole life that uh, you shouldn't give up you know you should always fight harder but i think the underlying uh, the thing behind that is to always ask yourself whether it's worth it and like you said what, how is this affecting you as a person because at the end it's not about your partner it's about you first How do you feel? Even if you're fighting, even if you say you won't give up, but are you losing yourself in the process? And I think those are the important questions to ask before you even start to say, I'm gonna fight this to the end. You know, I'm never going to give up. This is my life, this is my soulmates and everything. But the reality is something else. You know, and I feel like there are so many people who don't even go deeper in this in that way to ask those questions to themselves if it's really worth it or not. But rather they are in this other direction where so they are going to keep everything inside of them, uh, how they're feeling and everything and, you know, push further to not give up. On that person on that relationship and yeah when you fight there are some days where things will be like you know beautiful and everything is fine but there are days when it's going to get worse. and sometimes we don't realize how much we're losing ourselves in this process and even i didn't realize it when you know when you're in it it's something else and uh yeah um eventually i guess the fact that you were able to you know realize those things recognize this thing is actually a brave step and now you've opened yourself to someone like you said like your mom said that was really beautiful what she said it was thick <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that is so true before you try to fix something to fight for it always, ask yourself, at the moment, at the present, how are you feeling as a person? Are you okay when you go to sleep, when you wake up in the morning? How is your mental health? And when eventually you start fighting for it, is it draining you? Yeah. Because the fight who is draining you is not worth fighting for.
1: Yeah, if it's not, if it's um, wasting more energy than creating it. Mm-hmm yeah that it. is so true it's not and especially when it comes to relationship right relationship are supposed to upgrade your life they're not supposed and that's something that so many people are mis misunderstand i think is that they get a partner to answer their needs but that's not what a partner is supposed to be you're supposed to take care of your own needs and then your partner is just supposed to be bonus you know there's like this codependency thing and uh, like I'm being very careful with the words that I choose. Like I personally really believe in the power of words. I think that, you know, little sentences like saying, I can't do it. We should remove that of our vocabulary. And for example, I'm very careful. I never say my better half because my boyfriend is not my half. I'm a whole, I'm a whole on my own. I'm one, he's one and our relationship is one. So it's one plus one equals three. It's not him and I that creates one. We're so much bigger than that as humans. You know, I have me, my own passion, my own desires, my own self. There's him, his own passions and dreams and goals and capabilities. And when we're together, we create something completely new that, you know, that that shines over our friends and over our dreams. And right now we're going to, sailing around the world and everything. That's not me. That's not him. That's not a combination of us. That's something completely outside of us. So one plus one equals three is my way to see it now. And before, I think that's not what it was. I think it was one plus one equals half because neither of us were happy and in our full potential.
0: Yeah. And I always say if your partner or the relationship is bringing you additional stress, which you you didn't have in your life, it's not it's not worth it. It should be additional joy. Uh, discovering things learning new things of course there will be arguments and fights but it has to be you know constructive fights that you're able to communicate with and solve it and resolve it and not fight which drains you more or when you're when you try to have a communication about it you know to get to the deep cause and actually resolve it and then you have a partner who's going to shut you down and the next day he or she is acting as if nothing happened. I don't know if I'm using the right word, but this is a red flag. <laughs> yeah, but I think those come from experiences and, you know, talking to people. Like you said, the organization really helps you to say things. Um, having, like I said, the right people around you to support you. And when you're, you're going through something, you actually talk with other people. One thing that I used to to do, actually... Before, whenever there was an issue or anything that I feel inside of me wasn't right, I wasn't actually sharing it with other people, not even with my friends, because I felt that there's a private stuff that should stay in the relationship and that I have to deal with it alone. And so I never shared with it, you know, with my close friend, people who could have helped me see things. In a different way because sometimes when you're in it you have only one direction you know only one way where you're seeing things and sometimes when you take yourself out of this bubble and actually share with someone else of course not every details but you know just talk about it you will see that the other person has a different point of view a different way and this can actually make you think in another direction you know whether you're really doing the right thing or not. So always reach out for help. Always communicate. You'll be surprised to see how many people care for you and they want to help you know get get you out of there one thing which is just coming into my mind i'd like to ask you about the addiction the pornography addiction there are many teenagers also who go through this well you've been through the process and you've met a lot of people who've helped you for the organization Uh, what would you say to those parents right now who are listening to us and they feel like the girl or the boy are having starting to have the addiction Because, you know, when you're a teenager and you you know about this stuff, it's wow, it's exciting, it's a new thing, you want to learn more, you want to, you know, dig deeper what's in there. And sometimes we see that teenagers eventually fall into this addiction because they can't realize the reality with it. So what advice would you give to those parents, you know, who are feeling and seeing that maybe their teenagers are falling into this type of addiction? How they can address this issue to their kids because screaming and yelling is not going to help. No, no,
1: and, and shaming will not work either. Because like I said, people who consume, it often comes from a big void inside of them. And that void sometimes is shame. So sometimes they watch pornography because they feel shame. So if you shame them for watching pornography, it's just a vicious cycle where the the most shame they feel, they almost punish themselves by watching more. I know for me, I had some problems during that relationship with food. And whenever I felt shame for eating too much, I would just eat more. So I can tell you right away, shame does not work. I would definitely advise them to, if they feel comfortable, have an open conversation with their child. And again, definitely get help from a specialist, get help from a psychologist that is trained for sexual disorders, go on find the New Drug, maybe watch the documentary. They have a nice three-part documentary. I think it's about an hour and a half. I'm trying to remember what it's called right now. I'm not sure, but definitely go there. I know they are resources also to speak with teens. You can also invite this organization to come and give a conference in the school if it's in North America. Of course, if if you're in Asia and Africa, maybe not yet, or Europe, but I know there's a lot of things you can download. There's also a book that you can use. It's kind of like a book and a journal put together, made by this organization, and you can write, for example, what made you want to watch a video today kind of finding what is the root cause of the behavior. So thinking, oh, today I watched it because I felt shame. Today I watched it because I felt bored to kind of see what what is attached to this behavior, what emotion or what state is attached to this behavior. Uh, they also have an app. So that's something that could be useful for kids. I would definitely recommend if parents don't have this yet, but definitely put some sort of restriction filter on your your children's device because there's a lot of kids that, or teenagers that develop an addiction of pornography just because they were exposed to an ad that they weren't supposed to. And then their brain enjoys it. And then they continue to look for those ads and then develop a porn habit as young as 11 years old. It gets crazy when you start reading the statistics and you start reading it. So definitely have something safe for your kids under 18 to to protect them. So I know my ex with my ex we tried that actually. We had like parental um, I don't know, I don't know how to call it. Parental like protection on his phone and he needed a code that only I knew to get on any adult site. So to purchase a sweater, a sweater on his phone, he needed a code that only I had. But of course, we tried that and it didn't work for us. Like he ended up finding ways he would like download some images at work and send them to himself on his email and then he you know he found other ways to consume but for children if you can at least limit the unwanted sexual images that we're bombarded with nowadays i think that would be something to to start right now
0: yeah those are great advice and do you think that you know this addiction it should have been explained in school you know in college, there should have been, I don't know, talks about it where specialists from the organization, they come in schools in college and they explain about it, they explain the causes, they talk to the kids, to the teenagers. I think that would be really helpful, actually. You know, in Mauritius, we don't really have that. It's kind of a sensitive topic to talk about, which is kind of sad of like, people are ashamed to talk about this, actually. And even if they are watching, because it's actually normal to watch once in a while, it's fine. It's not an addiction. But when you ask uh, someone if he or she is watching and so they feel ashamed about that, you know, they are going to be on the defensive mode that I'm not that kind of person, so I'm not watching. But this is how you see that those type of topics this is why i wanted to talk about this on the on the podcast and the reason why i decided to do the podcast to talk about the stuff because it has to be we have to feel comfortable to talk about the stuff so that we can prevent addiction, so that we can talk to the kids and the teenagers in a comfortable way, you know. So when the, when someone is actually like a specialist or, I don't know, an expert in that is coming to talk to the kids or anything, he or she has to be comfortable talking about this topic so that the people listening also has to be comfortable, you know, to gain those... Uh, what what they are saying yeah i think it's important it's like sex ed- education right from the start it's it's a very important topic it's not a taboo we have to put the stuff forward and from where you are do they have the stuff you know if they have you have the stuff in schools and college yeah uh, we, frequently we do have sex education i
1: think it could be a lot better personally i think we should give Like we have specialists, I don't know the word in English, but in French, I'm just going to like say it in French with an accent. It sounds like sexologist. Yeah. Okay. So we have specialists uh, that are trained and we don't even use them here in Canada. It's the teachers that are giving a sex education curriculum and that are asked to teach it to the students. And I think that's a huge problem. I think we should take, you know, we should take nurses or people that feel safe talking about those topics and not impose it on a French teacher who never wanted to talk about genitals with 13 years old. You know, some people are passionate about that and are qualified. So we should give these people a bigger place to talk. And personally, I believe that sex education starts as young as five or six years old, because at five or six years old, it's all about my body is my body, right? We have so many kids that get sexually assaulted by uncles because I don't remember the percentage but it's huge it's like 60% of kids that were sexually assaulted it's by one of their family members well if at 5 years old you're already able to know that your tummy is your tummy and that no one is allowed to touch it unless you give them permission that would protect so many children you know people think that sexual education is like teaching cool sexual tricks or sex toys that's not what it's about it's about safe sex it's about consent it's about knowing how to take care of your body, how to take care of, you know, have a a healthy sexuality and not feeling shame because of the way your body is. So I think it should start as young as five years old. And it should be given by professionals who are passionate about this subject and have studied this topic because they are out there. There are so many excellent communicators when it comes to sexuality. Like there is a great I don't know if it is in your country, but there is a great documentary that just came out on Netflix a couple of weeks ago about female pleasure. And that's amazing because we never hear about female pleasure. Like even the sexual education I received in school, we didn't talk about the female pleasure or the clitoris. And so definitely, I very much agree with you. It's all about the education. It's all about removing the taboo. And really the goal is to have children and young adults that are safe and healthy
0: yes so true let's take a small break vicky and then uh, we continue with our conversation so everyone stay here we're going to come back hi this is neha and you're listening to the bold Enough podcast hey everyone we're back and vicky is still here with us uh, Vicky, I have just one question because before we move. Did you ever find out about your ex if the addiction creased or he has been able to get help and everything? I, I have no idea. I
1: have no idea. I know after we separated, we met because, of course, we had to empty all the house and kind of... Uh, a separate our belongings and all of that I know he said he had consumed because I think he like when we broke up he hadn't consumed in maybe 30 days but after that I don't I didn't hear about him ever since No, so I have no idea if he's still consuming today or not
0: as for what uh, you went through in the organization who helped you do you think that people who actually uh, embark on this support you know to relieve themselves from the addiction they actually get out of it like it is a possibility.
1: 100% hundred this organization has so many testimonials of people that have been I'm going to say clean but clean is not the right word that have been sober also not the right word <laughs> for like 15 years or 10 years or, or you know several months so I think it's 100% possible because once you embark in this community you will meet people that have done it
0: true and when you have a support group when you see another person who's been for the same you know here with you trying to get out of it I think this is what gives you more motivation to to get out of it too so this is the reason why seeking help is very important to have a support group people who won't shame you people who will accept you for who you are so then you can go on your healing journey as well so do seek help if anyone who is listening to this episode and is in the same situation, even if you are on the other side, both view, you, you have to get out of the bubble, take the leap, be bold enough. Things would be different on the, once you get out of the bubble and just, it's just that leap, which is difficult, you know, to get out of it. Like, you keep on thinking and thinking, how am I going to do that? What if I fail? What if it's a wrong decision? And you have all those uncertainties and everything. This is actually the most difficult part. But once you've gone through that, once you've said yes, things actually change very easily. It's like on the flow. Yeah. Okay. So before we end this uh, episode, Vicky, can you share one of your biggest milestones so far? Is it the sailing?
1: Yes, yes, it is. You guessed it. It's definitely buying the sailboat a little bit before my separation is when I started dreaming about moving on a boat. So I went on a sailing trip to the Bahamas. And uh, yes, I spent two weeks there on a sailboat. And it was just incredible. And when when I came back, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to sail around the world. And then I started taking classes went through the separation, took more classes and more classes and looked into boats that were, you know, for sale. Just, yeah, just have been really perseverant towards that dream for the past almost four years now. And then I created a dating profile, what I said, I'm looking for a sailing partner. So I was interviewing potential dates, really thinking, oh, do you, what's your experience in sailing? Do you get seasick? And I would, I would tell them, you know, now I want my I want my relationships to be more about me and what I want. And I was like, if sailing is also what you want, awesome, then we're a good match. And if sailing is not your dream, then we're not a good match. So it wasn't about the person anymore. It was about me and what kind of life I wanna create. And I met this amazing man who also wanted to sail, who speaks like 10 languages. (laughs) So super practical when traveling around the world, had a lot of experience traveling. And I was like, perfect, this is a great match. And now we're building this dream life together. So definitely biggest milestone was uh, was buying that, that yellow sailboat.
0: You're so excited. And I'm very happy that you're going to embark on this dream coming into a reality now. That is so nice. Well, Vicky, thank you for being on the podcast today. It was great talking about this topic, something that we don't talk about very often. So I hope that uh, anyone who is in the same situation do take note of the advice and the suggestion that Vicky proposed. And uh, maybe, uh, Vicky, can, can people reach out to you on your Instagram or anything if they need advice or help or maybe want to know more about the organization?
1: Hundred percent. Yes, people can. I'm not uh, affiliated in any way to this organization. I just uh, love it. But uh, I'll happily direct them towards it or give them my own personal input if they want to. So you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Both of my handles are just my my name.
0: Yeah, we'll be sharing her handles too on our Instagram. So then you can reach out to her. Well, uh, this is the end of the episode. Thank you everyone for listening. Thanks, Vicky, and. I wish you all the best for your sailing adventure. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Bold Enough podcast hosted by Neha Ganu. If you like what you heard today, please follow us and join in weekly as we keep on breaking the barriers together. Don't forget to show your love on our Instagram account and linking page. See you.